0: This is the Literary Licensed Podcast Classic Novel Episode, dealing with classics you must read before you die, and finding new life in between the dusty covers, exploring page to screen and everything
1: in between with your co-hosts, Jesse Woods, Mickey Ray, Leandro Getzi, and Keith Chowgo, who ensure to bring the fun to an old stand.
0: Welcome to your License Podcast, and it's our end of our classic novel season, and we are covering Moby Dick by Herman Melville. And of course, the film from 1956, I believe. 56, um, yeah. And so before we go any further, let's find out who's with us. We got Vicky Ray. Hello, Vicky.
2: Hey everybody.
0: And Leandro Gazi. Hello, Leandro.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: And myself, Kishago. And before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. And starting out with you, Leandro, what have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Uh,
1: well, I don't know if I told you, but I have changed job. And I'm working as a side manager, well, slash caretaker care in the school. Um, then, But still working in the old job at sometimes, Um Basically oh. that, and then having harvesting uh, potatoes from the allotment. Um oh, neat, week. yeah. I have been eating mash and yeah, just oh. doing that
0: chips, boiled potatoes, baked potatoes,
1: fried, yeah, fried I, I potatoes. Didn't, I didn't get a, uh, a lot, a lot, but for the first time ever, it's like I'm proud. <laughs> wow, well, twice baked potatoes, uh, they're called four I think they're not really, really big, they're more like round.
2: Mm. They have the little red ones,
1: uh, uh, normal potatoes, but the thing is um, I think I didn 't plant it with a lot of space, so they grow a lot, but not not as big or maybe as the all the whole potential so i'm learning, so it 's all right for the first time well, I've
0: like new potatoes it's nice and new potatoes
2: that's true okay.
1: so. and there are more things on the go but i, I have to wait.
0: Yeah, well it won't be too much longer now. <laughs> It'll all be done. September'll be a busy time for you. Our
1: yeah, I, w- I have like I have a of things going on like corn um, and other things. It's, it's it's a hard job. You have to be like keeping all the time weeding all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Is that your all the rain must something is it your garden, Leandro, or is it?
1: Uh, yeah, it's something like uh, you pay per, for a year and, and you have a, a plot and then you, you have to work it yourself.
2: That is so cool. I wish they Yeah, had it's
1: really one. cool. Yeah.
2: That is really cool. Mm-hmm. So, it's tough, Vic. What are you up to? Well, I haven't been. The green thumb in it like Leandro, but my tomatoes all turned out really good this year because I, I mean, I really was on those, but people are, I've been fighting with people for giving them away because don't give my tomatoes away. Just (laughs) like those are mine, but not really. I haven't been doing anything that exciting. I've had like a really weird bitchy cold since I got back from New York. I brought home some kind of germ or something, but um, other than I've been watching, um, what was it? was I what did i call it the full moon productions uh, on yeah, G-
3: full moon production i've been
2: watching it. a lot of that stuff because some of it's really old and it's just a lot of fun the um, what did i watch oh i watched this one called the wave it was a dubbed indie film from from uh, i believe norway or the N- netherlands somewhere around there it was about how you know like the their uh, they they have people that actually watch for landslides in these communities, I didn't even realize that, you know, how, like when the landslides hit and they get like a 600 foot tsunami that could possibly happen at any given time. And where all these, you know, not reservoirs or what do you call fjords where all these fjords are. And it's, it was just kind of, well, it wasn't a nice story. It didn't really actually happen, but it's what could possibly happen. But it was it was a pretty big wave those things make anyway. And Asher made me watch all of the Sharknados. I've watched all five. I think that they're making a sixth one. I think that's why they're all coming back. But those mm-hmm. are always good, clean fun. And I watched the new Suicide Squad on HBO Max yesterday. It was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. It was a lot of fun. I think, like Joe said, James Gunn was having a lot of fun with this one, and he did because it was a it was a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we've just been kind of enjoying the dog days of summer here in Texas. It's really hot, and do what you can do. What about you, Keith?
0: Uh, I haven't been up to a lot. Nothing but really work. Um, I got I'm a little bit behind in my editing because I got some interviews to put out. Um, we do have an interview coming out this week from um, Ellen Foley because her new album's out. So we'll put yeah. that one out. But yeah, I like to sit there and say that I've been up to every a lot of exciting things, but not really. Um, I did watch the Swarm on Netflix, which is a French film about a bunch of locusts that come through and start killing everyone.
2: Oh, I didn't see that one.
0: It's okay. I mean, it's very um, artsy, and but that has some good gore and blood to it. And I, to be honest, I kind of was dipping in and out of it when I was watching it. But I, right. I probably need to rewatch that. And then. Um, yeah, then other stuff I've been watching, just like everyday kind of stuff, you know, sort of thing. Nothing extraordinary.
2: Yeah, so, there's nothing other than Suicide Squad. Nothing really caught my eye. Yeah, that's that, much
0: and at that this point. Week. Well, I started watching the. I watched The Office from beginning to end, and, and then once that finished, I kind of was like kind of out of sorts because like now you're trying to look for the next best thing to so I world. know
2: that suck. You finish something and then you just sort of like sort of like ratchet or things you've been waiting for. What was that? Was that the Manifest? But um, you got me watching it about the aliens.
0: Oh, the Colony.
2: The Colony, yeah. See, three seasons and you were left hanging, and it just like yeah. I just refused to get into another. Series because they, Netflix is you, three or four seasons. I'm really, you know, you squeeze out of them, and it's yeah. like, just please, just finish that one and finish <laughs> The Witcher, please on Netflix. I would like one more season of The Witcher. Month,
0: I think you're later this month, huh? There is a Witcher program coming out later this month. But I New episodes, I hope. Thing. So
2: better than that, but I think really- that I think the nothing exciting. well the witcher
0: i mean it, it, the witcher's like westworld where it takes like a, a year and a half to two years to make it really yeah it takes that long to make it so
2: well yeah there's a lot of special effects and a lot of, a lot of production
0: and filming all over
2: yeah you know. they are filming all over the continuity has got to be a bitch i
0: yeah, feel like i'm <laughs> um, Game of thrones is like that as well because they would film they have to film all over the place
2: so right right yeah I enjoy. I I enjoyed the first few seasons. I know a lot of other people. Yeah, you know,
0: like Witcher as well. Probably need to rewatch that as He's kind of a weird
2: hero, story. you know. He's sexy, yeah. but he's not. You know, he's just kind of those weird. He's got some kind of weird charisma about him. I don't know. Got to be the hair, maybe the muscles.
0: Well, well, see, I know the Witcher from the computer game series. That's how what? I. What? Um, I I played the Witcher computer game, which was fantastic. I loved it. And then right. the series came out afterwards but uh, it's based okay. on a bunch of books from Poland
2: it's sort of like Mortal Kombat and stuff they 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 kind of they come out after the game and but i mean the new Mortal Kombat was worth it i liked it but they set you up for the second one so you know there's a second one coming cuz everybody's a gamer in my family except me i'm the only unnerded person <laughs>
0: yeah oh no i guess another thing i've been doing is getting things ready for back for blood where I'm actually oh yeah I'm doing a live streaming thing on YouTube and next week so I
2: think oh you're going to have to let me know when you're doing that because I'll t- tell Tyler and Asher will just love to follow that
0: yeah but at the moment it's getting really good um, You know, word of mouth it's sold over a million copies pre-sales at the moment and it's um,
2: well, congratulations yeah, on that and, that's exciting stuff. What do you mean you're not doing anything exciting? That's exciting.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's something I did seven years ago, and now it's coming out now. So it's like,
2: <laughs> but that's still exciting. It <laughs> it finally, is exciting. fruition. Going, huh? Finally, <laughs> you know, redemption, fruition. It has come to out of its own. You know, that's those that those are good things.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of good. Um, there's a lot of YouTube reviewers that the game's been given to, so they can actually play through eight levels of it. Um, right. and it's getting, yeah, the response is really good. So I guess that's something to be quite,
2: I'll have to about. turn Tyler onto it. He'll just want to try to do it just to beat you out or something knowing him.
0: Well, back to back for blood basically is four is a team of four people, four people online. They have to work together. If they don't work right. together, they will die sort of thing. So it's, it's a bit like life sort of thing. Um, it is a sequel to the left for dead series. I remember, um, I mean, Left 4 Dead was one of my favorite games on the Xbox, and that's got to be about 10, 15 years ago now. Oh,
2: God, easy.
0: And, I mean, I made made a lot of my friends through that sort of thing. But I remember one time I was playing, and you can play with random people, and there's three girls who are really good friends with each other. And things I said before, you had to work together, so you're going from point A to point B. And, um, you know, if you don't stick together, and, you know, if you run off then something's going to get you, and then you have to save that person. So I remember, um, let's call them Sharon and Mary. I know. So I'm hanging with Sharon and Mary. And, and all of a sudden, you see Mary's character run off run off in the distance. Right. You hear Sharon going, yeah, that's right, Mary. Go running off. Like, every time you get a boyfriend, you just go running off. Forget your friends, sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, it's like this jumper jumps on her character. like, And you can see the shadow of him. It it's like tearing apart her character. And then you hear Sharon going, okay, Mary, I'll come and rescue you. Like, every time your boyfriend dumps you and I have to come and rescue you. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what's so good about um, these kind of games, and I, you know, same thing will Go the Back for Blood is that you you get people who end up playing together. But then the thing is, is like you know, you're kind of playing, and everyone's just talking and chatting and having a good time, sort of thing. And I said before, because you have to work together, you do get a different kind of dynamic because not, you're not against each other. You you have to work as a team. So, and um, you know, my friends like Debs and um, you know and Garrett and all these Alex friends that I've had for 15 years. I mean, some of the friends like Garrett and Alex. When I started playing with them, they were like, 13 years old, and now they're graduated from college now. Oh my so God,
2: isn't that wild?
0: So yeah, Dads so,
2: grown up and all married.
0: <laughs> you know, and I, you know, one of our friends, um, you know, she was um, she was like 17, 18 when we started playing Left for Dead back 15 years ago. She's had children, and she actually died last week. So I was like,
2: Oh, I'm sorry, God. But, yeah, I
0: mean, well, she had a. Um, she had heart problems and stuff like that and her heart gave out. So, you know, she's left three young children and stuff like that. But, you know, that's all, you know, but it's interesting. But you like you learn. I mean, we were like in each other's lives, like every single weekend we all get together and, you know, strangers. And when I was going through my divorce um, and I just thought I was going to Florida to get away from the UK for, you know, three weeks everyone that i played this game with all you know 15 of us all verged down the floor and we all met each other and it was quite nice and we're all still friends today so 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 that's I'm great though for back to, so i'm quite thankful for um the left for dead series and i'm hoping that back for blood will create new memories with new people so who is that? it who will. Is nice. <laughs> Well, that brings us to Moby Dick. Now, Moby Dick is a book that was written in 1981 and it was written by Herbert Melville. The book is about a sailor Ismail's narrative of the obsessive quest of Ahab, a captain of the whaling ship, the Pequod, for revenge on Moby Dick, the giant white sperm whale that on the ship's previous voyage bit off Ahab's leg at the knee. A contribution to the literature of the American Renaissance, Moby Dick was published to mixed reviews was commercial failure and was out of print at the time of the author's death in 1891. Its reputation as a great American novel was established only in the 20th century after the centennial of its author's birth. William Faulkner said he wished he had written the book himself, and D. A. S. Lawrence called it one of the strangest and most wonderful books in the world and the greatest book of the sea ever written. Its opening sentence, "Call me Ishmael," is among the world's most famous literature opening lines. Well, and what we're going to do is we're going to cut to the synopsis, and we're we'll back to talk about Moby Dick. Moby Dick. The synopsis. Ishmael, the narrator, announces his intent to ship aboard a whaling vessel. He's has made several voyages as a sailor, but none as a whaler. He travels to New Bedford, Massachusetts, where he stays in a whaler's inn. Since the inn is rather full, he has to share a bed with a harpooner from the South Pacific named Queen Craig. At first repulsed by Queen Craig's strange habits and shocking appearance, Queen Craig is covered with tattoos. Ismail eventually comes to appreciate the man's generosity and kind spirit, and the two decide to seek work on the whaling vessel together. They take a ferry to Nantucket, the traditional capital of the whaling industry. There, they secure berths on the Pequod, a savage-looking ship adorned with the bones and teeth of sperm whales. Peleg and Bidad, the Pequod's Quaker owners, drive a hard bargain in terms of salary. They also mention the ship's mysterious captain Ahab, who is still recovering from losing his leg in a encounter with a sperm whale on his last voyage. The Pequod leaves Nantucket on a cold Christmas day with a crew made up of men from many different countries and races. Soon the ship is in warmer waters and Ahab makes his first appearance on deck, balancing gingerly on his false leg, which is made from a sperm whale's jaw. He announces his desire to pursue and kill Moby Dick, the legendary Great White Whale who took his leg, because he sees this whale as an embodiment of evil. Ahab nails a gold doubloot to the mast and declares that it will be the prize for the first man to sight the whale. As the Poop Quad sails towards the southern tip of Africa, whales are sighted and unsuccessfully hunted. During the hunt, a group of men, none of whom anyone on the ship's crew has seen before on the voyage, emerges from the hole. The men's leader is an exotic-looking man named Fadala. These men constitute Ahab's private harpoon crew. Smuggled aboard in defiance of dad and Pilag, Ahab hopes that their skills and Fadala's prophetic abilities will help him in his hunt for Moby Dick. The Pukwad rounds Africa and enters the Indian Ocean. A few whales are successfully caught and processed for their oil. From time to time, the ship encounters other whaling vessels. They have always confirmed information about Moby Dick from their captains. One of the ships, the Jeroboam, carries Gabriel, a crazed prophet who predicts doom for anyone who threatens Moby Dick. His predictions seem to carry some weight as those aboard his ship who have hunted the whale have met disaster. While trying to drain the oil from the head of a captured sperm whale, Tastuka, one of Puqua's harpooners, falls into the whale's volumpsus head, which then rips free of the ship and begins to sink. Queequeg saves Tastingo by, driving, by diving into the ocean and cutting into the slowly stinking head. During another whale hunt, Pip, Buqua's black cabin boy, jumps from a whale boat and is left behind in the ocean. He goes insane as the result of the experience and becomes a crazy but prophetic jester for the ship. Soon after, the Kuquad meets the Samuel Enerby, a whaling ship whose skipper, Captain Boomer, has lost an arm in an encounter with Moby Dick. The two captains discuss the whale. Boomer, happily, simply to have survived his encounter, cannot understand Ahab's lust for vengeance. Not long after, Quequake falls ill and has the ship's carpenter make him a coffin in anticipation of his death. He recovers, however, and the coffin eventually becomes the Puquad's replacement life you. Ahab orders a harpoon forged in the ex- expectation that he will soon encounter Moby Dick. He baptizes the harpoon with the blood of Pocah's three harpooners. The Pocah kills several more whales, ensuing a prophecy about Ahab's death. Vandela declared that Ahab will fish his first seed two hearses, the second which will be made only from American wood, and that he will be killed by a hemp rope. Ahab interprets these words to mean that he will not die at sea, where there are no hearses and no hangings. A typhoon hits the puquad, illuminating it with the electrical fire. Ahab takes this occurrence as a sign of imminent confrontation and success. But Starbuck, the ship's first mate, takes it as a bad omen and considers killing Ahab to end the mad quest. After the storm ends, one of the sailors falls from the ship's masthead and drowns, a grim foreshadowing of what lies ahead. Ahab's fervent desire to find and destroy Moby Dick continues to intensify, and the Mad Pip is now his constant companion. The Pequod approaches the equator, where Ahab expects to find the Great Whale. The ship encounters two more whaling ships, the Rachel and the Delight, both of which have recently had fatal encounters with the whale. Ahab finally sights Moby Dick. The harpoon boats are launched, and Moby Dick attacks Ahab's ha- harpoon boat, destroying it. The next day, Moby Dick is sighted again, and the boats are lowered once more. The whale has harpooned, but Moby Dick again attacks Ahab's boat. Mandela trapped in the harpoon line is dragged overboard to his death. Starbuck must maneuver the pookwad between Ahab and the angry whale. On the third day, the boats are once again sent after Moby Dick, who once again attacks them. The men can see Fidela's corpse lashed to the whale by the harpoon line. Moby Dick rams the pookwad and sinks it. Ahab is then caught in a harpoon line and hurled out of the harpoon boat to his death. All the remaining whale boats and men are caught in the vortex created by the sinking Pequod and pulled under to their deaths. Ishmael, who was thrown from the boat at the beginning of the chase, was far enough away to escape the whirlpool and he alone survives. He floats atop Kukwai's coffin, which popped back up from the wreck, until he's picked up by the Rachel, which is still searching for the crewmen lost in her earlier encounter with Moby Dick. And that's the synopsis of Moby Dick. Hello, welcome back to the Literary License Podcast for our final episode of Classic Novels in Season 4. And we're talking about Moby Dick by Mervin God, Herman Melville, sorry. Herman Melville. Sorry, Mervin <laughs> Melville. <laughs> it's it's Herman Melville. Melville. <laughs> so, let's start with you, Vix. What are your thoughts about the book Moby Dick?
2: well it was it was kind of it, it was kind of a book that had just about every possible nuance you you had you had philosophy you had like the Plato action going on you had whaling going on you it was like you had geography going on i mean there was something about this time that everybody wanted to talk about geography and and about the industry he explained so much about the whaling industry that it was kind of a slow burn getting the story going i think maybe sort of. <laughs> But, um, well, he actually worked on a whaling boat and I think he was kind of a jack of all trades. I think was it Herman Melville kind of like go through life a little bit, kind of from here to here until he, you know, had a family. He he struggled quite a bit. I mean, they didn't have a whole lot of money, but I mean, a lot went into making Moby Dick and, um, it was, it was just great how, um, I thought it was, it was great. It wasn't great in high school, but you know, when you read other people, you know, like or when you if you pull up, you know, Moby Dick Explained by such and such, you know, and, and every person there is my age or older, they're always saying, Oh, you were forced to read it in high school, but when you've got an older pair of eyes and you have more life history they say you can probably, you know, the book clicks more. And that might be true because, um, there's just, it's, it's such a, it's a descent into madness, much as life has been for the last year and a half, (laughs) as well as, you know, it, it, it's, it's about humanity too. And about, you know, the, about how these men all pull together and, and live on this ship. Cause these guys were gone for like three years at a time, you know, just out there doing this. And, uh, it wasn't an easy job by any measure. It was dangerous, you know, which obviously, you know, I mean, and I believe that Moby Dick was actually based on something called Mocha Dick. Is that how you say it? It was an actual whale that was a white sperm whale. And it had, you know, they said that he was seen several times with 20 harpoons, just flying around the Japanese sea. So, I mean, it was an actual whale who actually took out a lot of boats and whatnot. And that's where he got his um, inspiration for calling it Moby Dick. But it wasn't received well. I guess it was probably not. It was too. I don't know why it wasn't received well, other than it it just maybe was the marketing wasn't, uh, you know. I guess
0: if you look at other books around this time, I mean, you know, the Mm -hmm. big books would be what Count of Monte Cristo was around the same time and stuff like this. And they were. The and like right authors, you know, from the American market, and they were talking about, you know, the, you know, the fantastic, you know, and they had these romanticized versions of like the Mediterranean and all this other stuff. And I guess American audiences, I guess, they were like not that thralled about s- traveling around Maine and the Atlantic sea- seaboard, I guess.
2: Right. But it's true. <laughs> Mokadik was a real he, he was a real A white whale off the island of mocha and and the sailors first encountered him said he was a 70 foot albino sperm whale known for swimming calmly next to whaling boats and he wouldn't attack unless you guys somebody made the first you know aggressive move first they said he was finally killed in 1839 and had at least 19 harpoons lodged his side there was another whale too um that was the same way i guess he he sunk A ship called the Essex and the twenty-person crew—they had a horrible nightmare. That's a novel in itself. They drifted helplessly for almost four months and over three thousand miles with no food, no fresh water, except each other. So that's where he went with that. You know, they kind of went on the Andes on each other. You know, (laughs) (laughs)
0: let's go cannibal.
2: Yeah, they went cannibal (laughs) like Quecweg, who was the noble cannibal.
0: Well, I mean, the worst thing about it is like being out in the sea and being a cannibal because you're not even cooking the flesh. Well, they,
2: <laughs> they said that it tastes good, though. I don't know. It looks all watery. It's probably,
0: probably salty.
2: Yeah. Well, the most. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is one of those movies. I mean, if you're into Dove, you probably don't want to read it because the, all the whaling, you know, is really vivid. It's quite well presented. You know, but it was a way of life, though.
0: Well, I, you know, I think you have to also remember that whaling at this time. The reason why whaling was a thing back then it's because the oil and yeah. everything that was using for the, the blubbers of whales was used for oil lamps and everything like that yeah. so you know it wasn't just you know i mean nowadays whaling would just be considered i mean basically it's just hunting for sport nowadays i think the but japanese are the only necessity. ones to do it
2: now right the chinese and the japanese
0: well you know they they had this yeah, little, the Japanese they had this thing about spirituality and each part means something and god knows what you know what i mean it's like whether any of that's you know whether what it whether any of that does what it says on the tin is probably, you know, susceptible. This is what they believe, sort of thing. Like shark fins.
2: Well, I guess this the novel just wasn't exciting enough for whatever. people back then because he had a hard time selling it. The first edition was out for quite some time.
0: Well, I mean, outside. I mean, the thing is, the most exciting bit of the um, first third well, of the, the book is "Call Me Ishmael," of- and then you go, you know, as you said, we go through. Quite well, the Brits kind of took the
2: piss out of it, you know. It was an American novel, but the British kind of, you know, latched onto that one.
0: Yeah, but the British will will do that about it, at that time about English anyway. You got to remember, it's not that long after. It's only you know, there's still you're some. only appreciated when
2: you're war. dead.
3: Kind of thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, anyway, we
2: wait. It said its total earnings made like five hundred and fifty-six. Uh, dollars pounds whichever which in today's dollars is 253 grand so i mean it wasn't that bad but its popularity was torpedoed
0: well i mean yeah. if you consider at that time that the the main you know thing of um entertainment was reading
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, it wasn't like a serial. It was wasn't in a couple different books, I think. And then finally they got tired of trying to print it. So they just put it in one condensed version because it wasn't making any money, which is kind of sad because he really didn't see the, you know, fruition of his, you know, labor writing it. He didn't ever (laughs) witness that. It became a classic that everybody reads now.
0: Yeah, but I think, it. you know, there's a lot of things that become like that when they come out, they're not that successful. And then, you know, something <laughs> happens and there's a turn, something, and all of a sudden becomes successful. Well, Walt Disney's, they... Manta- well, Disney's <laughs> Fantasia was like that.
3: And also, like, Walt well, Disney's Fantasia
0: me. comes out, it was a big flop. People right, get on drugs in the right. 60s, they release it, now it's a huge hit. It's considered a classic now. Yeah.
2: And you've got to wonder, though, I mean, he was writing, I guess he was writing as himself most of the time, but he says, call me. Ishmael so people are wondering right off the bat is this ish is he just saying call me Ishmael who am I supposedly supposed to be is this first person second person and Ishmael is really kind of um, what's the word I want to use uh, it coincides with the Old Testament because Ishmael was is a prophet? The, uh, no Ishmael was Abraham's illegitimate son who uh, was expelled because Sarah was not happy about it. So his mother and him were.
0: Oh, yeah, he was he was a start of the kicked out.
2: And so they became some of the lost tribes of Israel, I believe, Ishmael's.
0: Yeah, and that's where Ishmael. the Muslim religion starts. So
2: he was a nomad. They were nomadic of sorts. And so I think that had something to do with why he said, call me Ishmael, because they were all kind of um, orphans. All yeah. these people, weren't they not, you know? But the best I mean, person who no, explained it, I not, sent you definitely. the link. Was uh, you have to give the uh, what is it? That was really interesting. The uh, the thug. What was it? The thug's life. Whatever. Yeah, I, think I said to you, movie. I love him. He he take he just explains mm-hmm. things in mm-hmm. <laughs> just a good way. I just I loved his analogy, but. Uh,
0: I mean, Ismail is, um, you know, he basically is represented as the everyman um, person. Basically, he decides that, you know, he is a nomad. He is an orphan. he's no family, no life sort of thing.
2: And it was cold in in, in the November of his spirit. So he decided it was time to jump on a whaling boat.
0: Well, I can imagine. You also have to remember that where this story takes place is in Nantucket town, which is in Maine. Right. Which is not the warmest places in November sort of thing. Um, And then you get to see everything through his eyes. But at the end of the day, man was not a participant. He's an observer. Well, he's
2: participating.
0: He's participating in his job. And what he has to do is to get paid from day to day. But he's not really, he doesn't spend a lot of time as far as like, he's not forceful in creating where the characters go. The characters are all acting on their own impressions. And he's right about it. But he's, in no way is he sitting there um, changing any of their opinions or changing any of the ways that they think. You know, he's like the observer. He's like the omnipresent God who's overlooking everything. And knows, you know, the, he's doing his chores and he's doing his job as a whaler and stuff like this. And he knows fully what's going on. But he doesn't really give too much of him. He doesn't really like if people are having conversations, he, does, he doesn't say that he's for or against anything.
2: Well, he does. He does show the warmth of and camaraderie of his friendship with not the Christian people of the boat, but the cannibal Queequeg, you know, who was off trying to sell his heads. You know, when he was when he didn't meet him to begin with, he goes, "He's selling his heads." You know, he goes, "What is that supposed to mean?" They were shrunken heads. I don't know whether Queequeg took the heads himself and shrunk them, or, <laughs> but I mean. They well, found a way dry, to so. coexist. But, I mean, they were too, so different but so similar in their life path that it was, it was, it was a really cool friendship. You know, he really just... They, they loved each other in the, the sense of friendship. But uh, I, I thought that that was well, a strong point of the book.
0: Well, I think Quick Craig and Isabel, I mean, you know... They're different people. than
2: everybody else. That they, they, they appear to be different the yeah,
0: well, the you know, Ishmael's not a whaler. Quick Quag is cannibal from some tribe, you know. And you got these two people, and then they're forced to share a bed, and it's almost like what brings them closer is the differences, and they realize they're not that different from each other. No, which is, you know, that's what, that's what I quite like. I mean, to be honest, no, when I read Moby Dick, I quite like Moby Dick. I mean, do. I was like, you know, I also noticed that if you notice on the Quick Quag, the um, the um, Pequod, that what you'll find is that every single group of man is represented. Every single type of man is presented. And I guess, you know, I think maybe in the time that it was released that maybe, you know, you don't pick up on that. I think now that we can pick up on that, you know, reflecting back on something's a lot easier to pick up on certain.
2: But there wasn't any, there wasn't, didn't seem to be any racial inequality on the ship because everybody had their job. And I think that that wasn't even, they were just men working and that was probably one of the, why the novel worked so well. They, they had different, a lot of them were superstitious. Some of them were Christian. Some of them were pagan, heathen, whatever you want to call it, but they all had a job to do. And and even though they were all different, it really wasn't, you know, I mean, from his experience being on actual whaling ships, that's probably how it was. I mean, you've got, you know, different people that can for, you know, for all kinds of things. You know, and you have to look at the ethnicity as well. In.
0: I mean, everyone was e- everyone was equal as far as the crew is concerned. Right. I mean, of course, the captain is above that. And if you look at that, like, heads of state sort of right. thing. Let's say, let's take the Pequod is a country. Right. And Ahab is your um, president or whatever. And that's what, you know, everyone in his state was equal. So, you know, as long as you did the job you had to do.
2: Well, and, yeah. And you know, then you've got the Pequod. In and of itself, the name Was a a tribe that had been, I think, devastated by the the white man coming in, you know, Mm. so that right there told that the Pequot probably wasn't a good name for the ship because it didn't have a happy ending for the the people's surname that it it had taken. But I mean, it was all about it was I don't know if what's the word I want to use. It's all about symbolism. This book has so much symbolism. I mean, mm. out of any other book I've ever read, the symbolism in this book, I mean, there's just every other paragraph, there's some kind of symbolic something or other, mm. or something they're referring to as symbolism, like the gold, doubloon. I mean, I was really surprised, because I, I mean, I, I saw Gregory Peck's version before I read the book years ago. And when I found out that in, this ver- in the book, Ahab's the one that takes the gold, you know, not, you know, the, the Gregory Peck character. And that always... I always thought that was kind of, I didn't, I didn't like that part in the book because I always wanted that to go to one of the other people that were working really hard at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause they were doing all the work, they were doing all the rowing and captain Ahab is like a divine right King throughout this whole book. You know, he's up there with God. It, the, the whale is God. And Ahab <laughs> is God, you know?
0: Yeah. but you, I mean, yeah, you know, let's, you know, let's take, let's take where you work at the moment. You have all your workers. Then you have the people who own the company, and they're the gods of where you're working. You know, you're doing you're doing all the work. You know, you know, and you're doing you know all the heaving and all the hoeing and every and all the, the grunt work. The rowing with off. the
2: slaves, yeah. And they're the
0: ones getting all the benefits.
2: This is true.
0: You know, let go- that's like a government. I mean, the thing is, you have all the citizens doing all the work, but then you have the high Mickey Mucks making all the decisions and um and basically making you know getting all the gold for themselves sort of thing, I guess you could say so I think you know when you look at well I think that's probably what makes Moby Dick work is that you know you think, "Oh, this has nothing to do with me," and then you start reading it, and you realize that everything in Moby Dick is very much all very much alive today. Our lives are the same thing we're all right. we we are all on the peak quad at the moment, being drifted out, out to sea by some godless um or some leader that we hope will sit us and get us to where we need to go, really right you know and And what we want and what we need doesn't matter. all they want you know, and like Ab, he gives his crew just enough to get by to keep him going because at the end of the day it's we're we're chasing after their dream, we're not chasing after the cruise dream
2: but and you did notice though that that on each of the 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 boating uh well with each boat you on the with the Pequod's, the the shipmates who are white they're they're entirely dependent on the non-white harpooner. Because the non-whites yeah. do most of the dangerous of the dirty work on the ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they, they're doing all the hard work. And, you know, they the, got the typical white dudes aren't doing all the hard work <laughs> coming. In. That, that, that I did notice. <laughs> so,
0: Well, I mean, and that's another thing. You get, that in, you get that in the trade. Now, let's sit there and say that you're coal miners. You know, they didn't send the, the educated white people down into the coal mines. There's all no. the socioeconomic people who really needed jobs and they were getting paid the pittance. Meanwhile, you had the foreman who wasn't doing crap at all making three or four times the amount of money, not even down in the mine sort of thing. You know, the only time he the only time he actually did any work is when he had to call, you know, when it you know, caved in and he had to con- try to find how to get his people out. And he kind of wondered was he getting his people out basically because like, oh, shit, I might have to hire another crew or or was he really, you know, wondering about their lives.
2: Right. But on the other hand, you got Ahab. And do you think that you think, well, you've got um starbuck he wants to kill him because he knows this is a bad deal he's so obsessed with this whale and -hmm. the whale is white and everything that normally would be purity of whiteness or whatever he thinks is evil this this whale just represents everything evil and this is probably one of the biggest descents into madness you see in just in, in any of um the um the classics. I mean, cause this is really madness. I mean, he doesn't care. He wants that whale. And when they have their gams, when well, they have like nine or 10 gams where the, the ships come up and they want news, what's going on in these ports. And this is the only time they get news. It's like their AOL time, I guess, you know, and that's when they, they find their news. And all he cares about is the, the whale and the, the, the people that are on the ship working really need to talk to these people because it's healthy to find out what's going on other places, but he doesn't seem to share that same need. He just wants to know where this whale is. So they go around the Cape of, Is it Good Hope? Or is it the Cape Horn? Mm. Which one is, is it not South America, but it's Africa to get into the uh, Japanese sea is where he's supposedly at, I guess. But I mean, he doesn't care about the normal logistics of sailing at all. He's just hell bent on killing this whale. And I always think of the wrath of Khan when he's spitting his last breath at him, you know, (laughs) he spits his (laughs) last breath or he's following around the flames of perdition. Ricardo Maltebon just pops right into my head every time. You know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, but then again, we are dealing with when someone becomes obsessed about anything and it obsession consumes you anyway.
2: Oh, it's unhealthy.
0: And especially if the obsession has to do with revenge. You know, and and you know, if you look at if you look at the revenge mm-hmm. obsession um, scenario here with Ahab, I mean, the thing is, is Ahab goes after something. The other, the thing, uh, you know, Ahab actually starts it. It's not like the whale, which is like swimming by and by go, oh, I'll take you know, I'll take Ahab's leg. No, Ahab was whaling. He goes after, you know, the fish. The well, fish retaliate, by his leg off. You know, Ahab goes yeah. back home, and all of a sudden it's like I need to go after the to take my leg off. But then again, if you look at it, Ahab. If you weren't screwing around with the whale, you still have your leg. Yeah, but but people, I mean, but you see that, but you see that every day now, sort of thing. It's like you know, whether it's like let's take neighbors from hell, sort of thing.
3: Right. And the thing is, it's
0: like there'll be fi- you know one person will start about the fighting of the fence. Oh, I want you know my fence should be here, and right. then it's it escalating and escalating and escalating, and then the person you know who started it all, if they just sit there and just you know they just have compromise at the beginning. They, you know, it wouldn't turn into like this blood Precisely. Feel, And obsession's you know, always over something a bit stupid where no one takes responsibility for themselves.
2: Right. But he drags the whole crew and the crew. I mean, they, they swear, swear fealty to his mad cause. And so they're all sucked up into this too. You know? Well, are they
0: all sucked up into it because they have the same belief of him. Are they have the same? Are they? Sucked well, they
2: want the- this share of the money that's going to
1: come. Yeah. Yeah, because like, I he's going to like her. a thing of ten percent. He's ten to, to Which share was with a all lot of
2: them. back then yeah. of, of Ahab's tilt for whatever they bring back, but they're not coming back, are they? Oh, I okay.
1: mean,
0: they 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 might have been on, you know, they might have been on the voyage for revenge, but at the end of the day, they're there for they're profit. whalers. They're there for profit, not there for belief. For their belief system, or because they believed in, they, didn't, yeah. they didn't believe in what they were doing,' if there was money at the end of the trail
2: well, so. th- this is where you guys might know what I, uh, this is where I got kind of got lost, and maybe you guys picked up on this, but Fidala those guys really don't show up much in the book, and then they show up, and then he's prophesizing about the whale Fidala did did he not
0: Well, um, that was what from Elijah wasn't it
2: Well, Elijah was in the movie. Mm. Fidala, I thought was a prop. Did was doing was speaking a little prophecy in the book, wasn't he? And he was well, the guy. Uh, he was the. At the beginning, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know, but they weren't. Um, they weren't English. They weren't from another whatever. I think they're. The Fertile Crescent was mentioned mm-hmm. or something.
1: Yeah, at the beginning, well, before they go to the ship, they, this man said something like that. But it was like they're not taking him serious because he seems to be like a bit crazy.
2: Well, they're special whalers, aren't they? They're like his, they're like he devils. I think
1: he was saying something about the captain. I think the thing what happened here is like um, this man, well, Starbuck, um, in one moment he said, well, this is like a kind of like a business. We're going there to catch whales because of the meat and the oil. Rather, the captain was in another state. right? He he just wanted to go around to see if he could catch the white one, the Moby Dick. So he didn't have like not the same plan. So it's like kind of is like if, if not every, if not in a, if you're in a ship and everyone's not have, having the same vision and go to the same direction, it's like the captain didn't have anything to lose because he would die to, to just to kill the whale, Right. the other ones to do are just kind of doing a job. So,
2: right. And Fidala is the one that gets wrapped up in the ropes on the whale. It isn't ahab ahab just sticks himself yeah. to the whale by stabbing him with the, yeah, the harpoon <laughs> oh, he's going to town on him you know what yeah. i mean ahab's getting it
1: <laughs> <laughs> um what i really like about this book i mean is like at the beginning well it's explained everything really on detail and it right. was started to name some places so i thought well, are these places existing or is like imaginary? I didn't check if, if the place where this uh, uh, quick quick was real, but then I checked the other place. I can't remember the name now. I'm really bad the names. Um,
2: Nantucket and all that. Yes, so that church I, actually exists, but I think it's a yeah, yes.
1: And I check on the map, and and I saw the area, and they were talking about there was a lot of sun. Yeah, and I'm, I'm standing in front of a map to see if I can see it right now. But it's that's going to bug
2: place. me. Is that a real island where Queen came from? Uh,
1: I, I I haven't Pogo is, it, Pogo
2: or whatever it's called. I can't remember. Well, the Well, they
1: mentioned something called Cape Cape something, not Cape Green. Well, they're talking is,
2: about the Cape Horn and, and Cape of Good Hope, but both are supposed to be real scary crossings. Or
1: yeah, but if it too. is, if it is Cape Green, exists. I can't remember. I'm really about to name As I said I, so. I'm, I'm
2: the one that Queequeg's to... from. I, that's a good question because I really. I mean, it's yeah. not a real island that he visited or whatever? And I believe well, it it's could
1: be. know, South
2: it, it, Pacific cannibals. What they referred to him yeah. as.
1: Um. There's so many little islands. It could be. You know, like.
2: Oh God! Yeah, there's plenty.
1: So, but well, I, I really like how he explained on detail, and as you said uh, after the. The, the chapter that you get used to, but as you said also, it's like in one moment I said, oh, come on, go, go to the ship, you know, <laughs> like right? describing you everything, but not, not nothing on the sea. And then, then yeah.
2: Well, then you have the, also you got the, this, it's reminiscent throughout the book. It's sort of like when the Rachel Moot comes up and they have that, the, what is it? They call it a qualm or whatever. What do they call it? They are talking apparently he's lost his son and somebody else Ah
1: uh, yeah, the, the the pirate on the other <laughs> Yeah, and that, the boat, yeah.
2: Rachel. Yeah, but they're they're all basically orphans these men. And that, that that's yeah. kind of re, it go it's that, that same uh idea is, you know, circumvented and brought up quite a few times, especially by Ishmael because they're all by themselves basically. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in the end, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're if you're going to die, you're going to die and you could have a million people around your bed when you're dying. But that's still that one journey that you're doing alone. People can be there, but you're when you're dying, you are totally alone. And that, that, he, he kind of put that. I mean, that was kind of a sad <laughs> kind of thing he kept bringing to the through his pages every so often. It's just like, well, how depressing. It was a depressing novel. It was really dark and sad because the whole time you're thinking, I don't know if you've ever been to like Cape Cod or places like that, but they are dismal in November. And mm. the Northeast is like overcast and, you know, and it, it is dark and it is like, you know, the the great December in your soul kind of thing. And it, it was just, it's just this movie that the book, not so much the movie, but the book kind of makes you feel cold and damp throughout the whole thing because you know it's not a happy story there's really no happiness in this story
0: well i mean and you also have to look at the you know the shipping you know traveling on a ship at this time and it's not a cruise ship you know you don't have casinos 24 <laughs> hours and a dance and, and a pool basically it's you know it's probably leaky and smelly Creaking and smelly and no no shower or bathing techniques or anything like that
2: surely they must so, have I mean, jumped overboard sn- once in a while and bathed I mean, God. I mean i don't
0: i don't know on the pequod but i don't i mean i don't know what the other ships but i mean the pequod just seems to be keep sailing forward Don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. It's, it's, I doubt that they spent a time in a lagoon somewhere. So let's jump in. Let's have a nice little swim sort of thing.
2: Well, you, when you think about the hygiene back then, it just had to be really rough. I mean, did people actually just get used to the smell of other people's body odor? Or it was just something that you got used to or, you know, or what? I
0: guess it is you smell every single
1: day of your life. I mean, it's not like
2: they had Vicks Vapor Rub to put under your nose back then. But they might have had something similar when you think about it. But if
1: you think it's, like, on um, that time, and the majority of the people that, like, kind of, like, was going on, on ships uh, doing certain jobs like this, they were, I, I think, it's, like, they didn't have nothing, like, much to lose, or they were really poor, or, and it's, like, there's what like when when Christopher Columbus crossed. Well, they said they discovered, they reached to the Central America, right? right. And there was a, there was an Argentinian actor that he went to a museum in Spain to see the ships and or replica of the ships, and they was I look, they were really really small. When you when you learn history, that you you imagine a, a huge galleon, and it was like a really small ship. But maybe I don't know, there were yeah. like thirty people there all together. Um, but it was like as I said, it was like people that were like maybe no nothing to lose, and it's like it was that, or I don't know, be dying on the street because you were like I don't know, really poor, and you even have a, a plate of food, so you would be choosing. Okay, well, I can't live without taking a shower every day. I as
2: know. As oh, have- I mean, there's that's very rare. I mean, i I mean if I get up and just don't go take a shower before I even go to Walmart, you know. <laughs> you know, yeah, we won't
1: last, we will last not even
2: I would not we, last long yeah. in the 1840s or the 30s. Because you yeah. know what? Men at least could hide stuff with their, their facial hair. Women just looked rough <laughs> back then. They just <laughs> did. They just looked rough. And I mean you could tell they worked they worked hard too. Women did. I mean it's not like they had a washing machine and a dryer and the dishwasher and your side by side refrigerator. I mean, things were tough back then for them too. And just think of how the women folk must have felt. It must have been great getting rid of their old man for three years, as long as he was sending the money home. You
0: know. <laughs> well, the thing is, they didn't, the, I mean, when they, they didn't send the money home, though. No. I mean, they had to wait. Well, they, well they had
2: to live off of what they previously <laughs> made. But I Precisely. think they got some form of what do you call it? What do you call it? An advance? Before they got on, they had to sign for the three years. Can you imagine being gone for three years? And I mean, and, and you know that, they, and I'm and, and all whaling, aside, whaling is a cruel thing. It's sort of up there with being matador. Yeah, I just don't like the cruelty of it. And it was like my friend took me whale watching in uh, Big Sur in California. I was telling Keith about three years ago. And these are huge animals and it's humbling. I mean, their backs are like the size of a huge kitchen table. And they're coming up underneath your boat and they 're wild animals, and you know, and the, the the fishermen were telling us that just thirty years prior to that, or fifty years prior to that, they were still whaling in those waters, and they would call them devilfish because they would come up and they would see any boat, any fishing boat, and they would capsize it or come down on it, so there they knew these 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 animals know what was going on back then. And then some of these, you know, and and now, you know, they see people come and you're always hitting the water. It's like, come here. I want to pet you kind of thing, you know, but they will push their babies up to the boat. And I mean, when just, just three decades before they were going to kill you, you know, I mean, so they're, they're highly sensitive, evolved animals, more so probably than human beings, because you don't see them screwing each other over for percentage, you know,
0: (laughs) Well, the interesting <laughs> thing is, is that um, man is considered one of the, you know, brightest animals on the face of the earth. But well, they say,
1: true. I no, often it's not, wonder.
0: It's not true. Man uses 13% of his brain. A dolphin uses 82% of his brain.
1: So and that now, I sorry.
0: I said man uses 13% of their brain. Yeah. A dolphin. Yeah. I a dolphin mean, how does
2: one fill their head? I mean, 13%, that's not a lot. So, I mean, when you think that's mind blowing, considering all the stuff you think you've got in your head that we've read, that we've experienced, that we've done. And mm. it, it, it is mind blowing that we don't hardly use any of our brain and that these mammals. Well, it's not that
0: mind blowing if you go into the street on a normal day.
2: Well, yeah, I know. I just got back from home. OK,
0: <laughs> I think that's less than 30 percent there. <laughs> but I do
2: love my people that are there. But I mean, just, it it just amazes me how, you know, it, it's in our, it's in our nature to destroy ourselves. And most of nature just wants to strive to succeed and into, you know, longevity and success of their,
0: well, of see, their species. The, the, the difference between nature and man is that man is driven by ego. And that's what tends to... Right. That well, this book was all
2: about ego, kind of, wasn't it? Or, I mean, there had to be a certain amount of ego, especially for Captain Ahab. I mean, he's got these guys, he's he's got them all by the balls. I mean, these guys are shit and scared of him. And I would have mutinied if I thought that, you know, I mean, <coughs> just regular whaling was, was dangerous. But this was a, this whale, you know. For all, for all dimensions, was obnoxiously big for a regular sperm whale. Even the real-life whale was huge. He was 70 feet. That's huge. You know, I mean, that, that that's scary.
0: I mean, another thing I guess you need to look at, <coughs> even in today's setting, and that's something that, that you're working somewhat hor- somewhere horrible or whatever like that, and you're, you know, your manager is horrible and everyone hates them, it's very rare that people leave because at the end of the day you need that paycheck.
2: Yeah, you suck you know, up you, a lot. You What do. Happen,
0: What happens if you get do a mutiny on aab? Do you get paid at the end of your voice or you get home? Well, no, and-
2: they would. But but back then, think about it. There wasn't a human resources. Maybe Starbucks was the closest thing to human resources. But he even wanted to kill him.
0: Would well, even, know? even 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 there was a human resources. Chances are, you know, most times even the human resources today. They don't really go for the employee too often. No,
2: no the human resources is there to protect the company, not the employee. Exactly. That's, That's always you, been my experience.
0: You no, know, they protect the employer, not the employee. Yeah.
2: yeah, they don't do nothing for the employee, trust me.
0: <laughs> you know, and another thing is it's like, you know, if they did mutiny, I mean, you know, they did stop, you know, stop Starbucks from you know, mute you know, becoming a mutiny, because the question basically is if you do mutiny and you bring that whaling ship back, do these people get paid? There's that as well.
2: Yeah, I know. But I mean, if you know you somebody's keep- that dangerous and that they're, they don't have your best interest at heart. And th- what did one do? I mean, sort of like the mutiny mm-hmm. on the bounty. They got sick of, you know, Captain. Captain. What's his face? Mm-hmm. What was his name? I mean,
0: think about it. You're doing a job for two years and you know, you're going to get paid at the end of the three years. And you do mutiny at two years. So you go back and you, basically that two years that you got all that hard work, you get nothing.
1: But who's going to know? You know, you could have fallen Well, I don't overboard. know, something that really caught my attention, and on this one is, like, um, there were, in one part of the book, at the beginning, they said, like, oh, a lot of people from that town, kind of, like, they were having shares on those ships.
2: So yeah. even the
1: people that, that were going on there. Well, they owned
2: they, that boat they, as, a, yes. as a collective.
1: Yeah, and no, I was, like, all the community owned that ship, and it's, like, they were bringing people, to, uh, things to help those uh, And then one, um, I imagine that that's why, you know, they probably don't know that meeting didn't happen. And also there was one, I can't remember the name, but one person that there he didn't kind of like trust fully in Starbucks. He he was like saying, look, the captain is a good captain. He was not taking us to to die. Well, it didn't happen, but.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah, but you know, if you see somebody that clearly was not sane, and I mean, he was passing up jobs like the whale, the whale, regular whaling. This is what they were there to do. They didn't sign on just for. I mean, did Ahab own the Pequod? I don't think he did.
0: He didn't, but he is the captain. And the captain is the boss.
2: But the did captain, you think that the company the captain, would have really appreciated ship, the that?
0: Is God.
1: Well, as far, I as, far, as, far as, as far as I know, I mean, it's like the captain in the boat or in a plane is like kind of the police, right? right like you kind know, right. of like the one who rules, right? Well, then, well, then you they're... can have others and you can do things, but if someone has to decide something like yes or no, that will be the captain, you know. Like I don't know, if someone has to be killed, let's say, oh, or, or so they need to the leave out, out.
0: hit the iceberg, or do we sit there and just turn? Yeah. The captain makes that every Everyone on that ship is the captain's responsible for. And But the question basically is if you do do a mutiny, what you also have to remember is that you have to get 100% of the crew on board with the mutiny.
2: Right. Because if
0: you only get 90% and you go back to sea and you have 10% that doesn't believe in it, what do you have now?
2: Right, right. You
0: know that—that's another thing. And it's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like overturning a leader of you know, a country. Yeah. Well,
2: basically, you gotta have, you and you
0: also, gotta have the I don't board know a country. Starbucks
1: didn't
2: do it. I mean, he didn't. It's do really
1: it. interesting, mm-hmm. you know how because I think the minute that he put that gold coin on the on the mast, right, and said, "Well, whoever catch it will get the coin," it's like a kind of keeping a whole spirit of all together. I said, "Okay, let's go and." is like kind of everyone start like a competition where whoever is there will try to do something you know so the other one doesn't do it you know it's like is it really interesting the way it happened
2: mm-hmm. yeah I, think- I i kind of you kind of wanted to root for the crew though you wanted them to live you knew what we, i mean even when you're reading the book you know mm-hmm. it's not, it's going to have a dark ending i mean there's really not even a spoiler alert for that you just know that that that's yeah, not going to
0: end well but i think this is where we come up with some of the symbolism in moby dick because at the end of the day if you are a blind follower right then, then if you're following the wrong person that can lead to your doom and we get this like with um cult leaders you know jim jones i mean he's like an ahab basically he's obsessed with right. whatever it basically leads all these people to their own death. and they're just right. fo- blind yeah. followers or, you know, Waco or wherever, even, um, even let's say Charles Manson sort of thing. They take the Manson family. I mean, you know, they're following him blindly. You know, if you right. follow someone blindly, then Lakey lead you to your doom. And I think that's pretty much what we have here. Right. Um, and basically whenever, you, you know, you know, we do get Ishmael basically is the one left to sell the story, but at the same time, you know, who, who basically rescues him? rescues Esmael, the Rachel the Rachel who's basically picking up orphans out of the sea
2: right right they're still looking right. for their children and they found him and they took the epilogue out of this book a couple different times say why I could never find a reason why they took the epilogue out
0: I guess it's because you know do you leave it with a yeah, I guess that's you know a bit like movies sometimes or whatever. Sometimes like they might have an added ending that they might have on, or just sometimes you take it off. Or I guess. Well, I, I
2: mean, it seems like you kind of have to have the epilogue. You know, I was left to tell the tale. You know.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I if also if thinking... you look at the name of Rachel. I mean, what is Rachel?
2: She mourns the loss of her children in the Bible.
0: Precisely, and it's a mother, a lot of figure. biblical
2: alignments with this book.
1: Well, yeah, there's a lot, lot of, of a uh, lot Bible. of
2: Abrahamic. Uh, yeah. uh, that I don't want to say Abraham, the the gods of Abraham, Isaac, yeah. and Jacob, or whatever. There was a Even lot that, of the Old Testament.
1: Yeah, at the us. beginning when when they go to well, there's a whole uh, chapter of the really long about their church and they're they're explaining about what happened with Noah and and all that.
2: Um, and, well, yeah, they were talking about was it, and they were talking about Jonah. Did they talk about Jonah?
1: Yeah. No, book. I think it's no, no, uh, Noah. Mm-hmm. You could Noah, you know the one that who sailed with all the animals. I think he yeah. mentioned something about that. That, and also like saying like, um, yeah, they have a lot of like. But when when uh, quick, we have to sign that he make a cross.
3: Right.
1: In the movie, you know, they made, he made a sign of a whale, but right. in the book that appears it's like a sign of a cross.
3: Right. So make your because
1: mind. he have to be baptized to be able to be in the ship. So man, kind of imagine he understood what they were talking about and make that sign. So he said, okay, okay. He's a Christian.
2: They, well, that's true though. It didn't matter from what denomination or what creed color they were. That's true about that church before they would all, a lot of boats would take to sail. They would really frequent that church. And a lot of those plaques are still there for, you know, to this day. I mean, I think yeah. they added the, uh, uh, the perfect storm what
1: was that's for me, me was really interesting you know because we all the, the, all the other books that we have been reading about you know um, sea stories about or or um they're, they're, those seafaring people,
2: people they they yeah. have a memory or, or
1: pirates you know they, they, you were not expecting that they are really religious or, or, or believing in something they're of the bible superstitious
2: though aren't they yeah
1: well no superstitious yes but this one is, for example, more like, okay, you have to be baptized to be able to be in the ship. Whereas in the other ones, it's like, well, as long as you want to jump in the boat and work, you're okay.
0: We also yeah. have to remember that this is an American tale and America's putanical at this moment. At this yeah, moment. that's
2: true. Well, you we know, were, we tried to, I, I always think it's funny how we try to be puritanical and we're the biggest sinners there are. <laughs> but we, everybody's talking about it, you know, being that I, puritanical just never. It yeah. just never seemed to coincide with uh,
1: our, yeah. English and I don't know, I mean, me not being English or from USA, I'm having English as a second language. This book was for me clear to read than uh Treasure Island or the other ones, but they have all that you know, but kind of vocabulary of right, um, pirates that is really hard to understand for me. This one is clear, so it, did, it didn't have a lot of you
2: know, major, I don't know, it didn't have a lot of the. Fancy schmancy, you know, phasing into paragraphs and everything. And what do you guys think about every? I mean, the paragraph. Well, the chapters were paragraphs. I mean, they were quick. You know, when you yeah. see a book that has sports one hundred and thirty something chapters, you are going, oh, oh my it. god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I really, but they're I short chapters.
2: It, so. so, I mean, it's it, it's us just to look at it from that particular view. So.
1: Yeah.
0: So I guess what we'll do is talk about what are your final impressions of the books. Talk to you, Deandra, what's your final impressions of Moby Dick?
1: Um, bit long. Uh, a bit long. <laughs> yeah, for, sometimes you know it's not when you're reading, you're reading and then you know, okay, the story is going this way, but come on, stop describing, I don't know, how the person grabbed a cup of tea and put it in the mouth. And
2: yeah, he did, he, he did overreach. I think that's probably why yeah. he had a hard well, time selling his book.
1: Yeah, well, I, I was I was uh, talking to a friend about this book, and I, would, I was mentioning this, and my friend said, well, look, um, and it's true. He said, this this book is, like, it's not new, it's old, and right. it's, you have to understand the way that it was written and, and reading at that time, right? It was different. This day, you, you want the information quick, process, you know, ready yeah. to go and then carry on. Exactly. And this is, it's really interesting because the amount you that you sit down and read and understand and then um, I, no, I, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. That was a
2: good point, though. That's a really good point.
1: Yeah, no, because but it's the true. People I mean, want
2: the information real fast, and yeah. back then they didn't get it real fast. So,
1: and what's really interesting because you know uh, the book that we read before was Alice in Wonderland, and you can I, I was able to see the contrast that is happening like that. You know, carry on, really short but this one is go like in detail explain you everything or every terminology and you know, or making you know, as we said biblical references or so you need to think a bit more to understand what okay what's the comparison that they're trying to make. Um, made. Um, no I enjoy it. Yeah Maybe. I like it. Worth the time? Yeah. What about
2: your Vic's? I hated it in high school but I mean like that that the 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 guy that was explaining it you know sometimes I need someone to explain a, a, a literature to me so I you know it helps me understand the book a little more Especially if, for some reason, the, the Edgar Allan Poe age—I call it—because sometimes I have a hard time getting around their their verbiage. I mean, I have to sit there. I mean, this wasn't that hard to do. I mean, it was actually an easy book. I was just an impatient child and did not want to read 130 pages of whatever <laughs> in ninth grade. You know, it's just like oh, fuck. Man, it's such a long book. But I mean, like the, the the gentleman said, I believe it was a professor who was given the allegory, but it, w- it was a really good book. And when he was going on to discuss, it and he draws a lot of parallels. I mean, he does. He's citing a lot of Plato. He's citing a lot of the Abrahamic religions. I mean, he he really thorough. I mean, he throws a lot of information. It's culturally and you know and philosophically, the book covers like just about anything. I mean, it's that one of those books that has all kinds of nuances to it. So, yeah, it's enjoyable at this age. And I I actually liked it. I mean, it is hard to read towards the middle. He does take a long time explaining it. There's the geography, sort of like, you know, the Count of Monte Cristo. There's just a big geography history lesson. It's just like, come on now, you know. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it's a great book.
0: I mean, Personally, I really like Moby Dick. I do think it's a book that's better palated, not towards uh, teenagers, but when you're an adult, because I think that you like, actually... That's like the inside. teachers
2: were saying on the... And, you know, on a the bit symbolism.
0: like, you know, the symbolism all makes sense, and you realize that the quad is pretty much like your own life sort of thing, and then basically, you know, you know, following, you know, following a leader blindly will lead could lead to your own demise. Um, yeah. That's separate, you know, it's different, you know, themes in it. You know, wasn't it what they said that um, if you... I remember one of the things I was reading that basically, if you you can either sit back and being an observer of life, but if you go, if you look for the meaning of life, it probably will kill you or um, harm you badly. Exactly. And and I quite like that sort of thing. And then basically, and I also quite like the fact that Moby Dick survives. I quite like that idea. Yeah, yeah I'm glad.
2: Well, I'd like to see the whale. I just because because man always seems to conquer nature in one capacity or another. Or, you know, you have the full-out extinction of whales almost because of this industry, which was very barbaric. And, I mean, in our day and age, we don't have the need for it. We really don't. And they are just beautiful, wondrous mm. animals. So uh, yeah, if I, am I against whaling completely? But I mean, it was, it, it was such a hard life though, too, for the families involved. And mm-hmm. it was, I mean, he, he, he demonstrates that because the author does live through whaling. He has gone around the world on the whaling ship. So he knows. What he and was another talking thing about. is, I
0: mean, if you look at the theme of Moby Dick, you know, a gigantic white sperm whale. I mean, it, we, we still keep that theme in a lot of our classic, you know, films, King Kong, yeah. the gigantic, you know, the obsession mm. of hat, you know, getting King Kong, Godzilla, you know, which we'll be covering this month, you know, it's, you know, man's, you know, able trying to control this great big, you know, sort of thing. And man's always to trying control to control
2: everything it. that he has no yeah. control
0: over. And he doesn't always win. No. So I quite like that.
2: So did I, I was glad that the whale won. Uh, you've got to wonder these whales though. I mean, cause they, they actually did keep these harpoons. I mean, they swam around till they fell out, or they were finally put done under. I mean, God, it's it's just it's just barbaric. It sort of reminds me of how they put all those those knives into the bull, you know, bullfighting. Well, it just, oh God, there's just some things I just can't handle. And that's just killing animals senselessly is is not one of my things. But uh, I, it does demonstrate another time in another place, though. And that's what he set out to do. Poor guy. Didn't reach any was it? He didn't know anything that he was that good until he died. And that's when he was appreciated much the same as most other artists uh, or whatever. Uh-
0: This brings us to Moby Dick, the 1956 film, which is a color film adaption of Herman Melville's 1851 novel Moby Dick. It was directed by John Huston with a screenplay by John Huston and Ray Bradbury. And the film starred Gregory Peck, Richard Basehart, and Leo Glenn. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer and be right back after the Moby Dick trailer. Ever since the beginning of time, man has pitted himself against the power of the sea to learn its secrets, to solve its mysteries.
3: Many stories have been told of ships and the men who sail them, of sea beasts and the men who hunt them.
0: But none has captured the imagination through the years so much as Herman Melville's immortal story of Captain Ahab who lost his very soul in the bitterness of vengeance against the great white whale Moby Dick. You're to look
3: for a white whale. A whale as white and as big as a mountain of snow. To chase that white whale on both sides of land and over all sides of earth It spouts black blood and rolls dead out. Captain A. Think what they're doing, I bet thee. Think. Set the mainsail! No, sir, no. Mr. Starbuck, are you opposing me? If so, I'll have you know that there's one God that is Lord over the earth and one captain over the Pequod. A whale can stave in the ribs of the biggest ships, swallow whole crews, pick its teeth with the oars. Mind, lad, if God ever wanted to be a fish, he'd be a whale. Believe that, he'd be a whale. just see him man
0: back to Literary License Podcast, and we're discussing Moby Dick, the 1956 film. And starting with you, Vicki, what are your thoughts of the 1956 film of Moby Dick?
2: Well, I liked it. I didn't hate it. <laughs> I love Gregory Peck. He's like one of my favorite silver screen, whatever, color screen actors kind of thing. But I, I thought I was paying more attention to the history behind it. I guess him and John Huston did not have a real love affair while they were making this movie apparently and and apparently um gregory peck was not his first pick which kind of hurt gregory peck's feelings apparently down the road and then him and angelica houston had rekindled some kind of friendship because she was like four or five when she was on the set of this watching her father direct this movie but um they didn't stick Completely to the book, but I think they caught the darkness, you know, because even the film, I don't know what you call that. I'm not the big film expert like you and Joe and the rest of our other co-hosts are, but it was a dark film and it made the color kind of contrasty black and white kind of color. I don't know how to explain it, but you know, it's Mm -hmm. a dark film. And Gregory Peck uh, doesn't real. I, they said that Gregory Peck was too young for the Captain Ahab part, but I thought he was perfect for Captain Ahab. I thought that uh, uh, Ishmael, uh, Richard Basehart, was he was supposed to be like twenty. He was too old for the film. I thought yes, he was not a young boy. And I don't know why they didn't cast them. I, you just don't know what John Houston was after, but I liked how they did their little special effects and how they explained how they did that. Cause you could tell now, I mean, we look for it now cause we're just spoiled rotten with, you know, special effects now and Steven Spielberg, like, you know, glory. But I, I thought they did a fantastic job with the whale. You know, I liked it when the whale's mouth is open and he's coming for the, <laughs> for the boat. He so see his, his mouth opening. You know, I got a kick out of that. I liked that. But I thought the story was great. Leandro obviously liked it.
3: <laughs> what did you like,
2: Leandro? <laughs> um.
1: <clears throat> Well I really I really enjoyed that part that you're mentioning about the whale the whale was, design, yeah. Yeah. The snow coming up <laughs> in No the mouth is like remind you know, me like the old movie when they have to show like a, a T Rex or something yeah, like that. You yeah. realize that it's like not even look real. And it was really narrow the mouth. It so the whole kind of is going to be able to eat, I don't know, a, a boat or something.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, he was um, smashing the boats and stuff. I mean, you could tell that, you yeah. know, he had all the harpoons. My favorite part <laughs> of the whole movie, though, was the end where Gregory Peck is, like, stuck onto him and he's yeah, decking yeah. In with his arm. You know, come on, we're not done yet. I'm dead, but come um,
1: on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, as you said, yes, it's true that at the, in some parts of the movies like the, even the music seems to really like dramatic or or, right. or dark but I, I like it. Um yes I agree with you with this I don't remember the name. The the man that was Ishmael he was too old for that yeah. that part.
2: But I love um, Queequeg. I loved him. He was yes. like a great Quequag. He was the perfect Quequag. He really was is
1: he a famous actor? I he think was he, a French
2: actor, I believe. Uh, Friedrich von I don't, Friedrich von maybe no I don't know what he is. Friedrich von he'd be, he'd German. <coughs> butchering his yeah. name. What, what is that? German? Be German. I
1: think he's German or Swiss. Oh.
2: He didn't know German. It was it was a, a
1: familiar <laughs> face. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but um I no, I really enjoyed um the how the how they made it, you know, how they Summarize maybe I don't know, 20 chapters in five minutes or less right. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, even you know how they, they kept part of the, like similar, like for example, when they said they go to the church, and then you, and you see that the church looks like a, a boat, like a ship. Um, that's what
2: it looks like, though, that's what it really looks like. Oh
1: really, that's real,
2: that's real church.
1: Oh, wow. wow. I, thought, I thought it was like...
2: Nope, that's how the pulpit was. I haven't been there in eons, but there's one in Gloucester and there's one in, and Where is it? I'm Nantucket. I haven't been to that one. The one in Gloucester is still there.
3: Wow. I think.
2: Don't get me to lie. Someone's going to challenge me on that. But yeah, that's how they looked and they still have the... Uh, they they still have the, um, the ship the, on there. The, I mean, yeah. <laughs> even if you watch The Perfect Storm, they show that. They showed one of those churches and they, and they added, you know, the Andrea Gale to that. I think that's the name of that ship that never came back in the perfect storm. That would have really sucked. Cause that was a really, that was a real bad Nor'easter. I remember <laughs> that. I would not have been on the water for that one, but I mean, I thought that Queequeg was perfect for that because he, he's got all those tattoos. Those like, they did him really good for 1956. They made him look really viable. And, um, who was it? Who else was the other guy? Well, Pip the Cabin Boy. I think Pip the Cabin Boy was hitting the rum because he was like hitting that tambourine all the time. I kind of <laughs> felt bad for Pip. <laughs> he just <does> never know. <laughs> I would not want to have been a cabin boy on a three-year voyage. That's all I've got to say about that.
1: <laughs> what I also like was like... <laughs> i don't know i don't know maybe for you i don't know but for me give me They're give sure you a better you in,
3: <laughs> give
1: you an insight of how is the life on 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 a ship in for example we have we have watched other movies but in this one for example they say that they have a black blacksmith they have a man that was a carpenter right
2: it was like and they village. were having it was huh? a floating village really
1: yeah I mean, um, they had
2: just about everything. They would probably had to have an iron worker there just because of the harpoons. That had yeah. to be a constant job probably for a whaling boat, I'm assuming.
1: Well, if you think, you know, the minute you throw a, a harpoon and if you if you miss, you miss that unless you have a, right, a rope right. and you, you can't retrieve it. But um,
3: imagine, imagine, if you're yeah. in the
1: motion of, I don't know, chasing a whale that is carry on, you can be there like trying to retrieve a, a harpoon that has gone on the I don't know maybe I don't know like twenty meters down in the sea. Mm. Um, no, I really enjoyed some effects are really funny. Like for example, the, when the captain is sitting on on a boat and then you see that the the, the back is not real.
2: <laughs> oh, I know the boat and it's really stiff and it's just like you see it stuck in the whale's
1: mouth. <laughs> yeah. Or when this man Starbuck, is sitting on the boat and someone is talking to him. And you realize at the back, the sky is not real. It's like he's sitting on a normal yeah. chair. <laughs> um, I think they
2: used actual whaling scenes, though, from actual oh, really? boats. Um,
1: really? I don't know. I really enjoyed, you know, uh, really clever. how I don't know how they did it. Like when they were throwing their poons, that was looking real. And It was the,
2: actual. They. I can't remember the name of the they shot it. Oh yeah, with real action of whaling done by whalers out of Madeira Island. Did I say yeah. that right? Portugal. Really, really that-
1: clever the way it was really like believable when they threw in the airplane and they was like the boats were uh, pulled by by Dan. Uh, no, I really enjoyed. It. Um they
2: superimposed the black and white print on, on a color print to make it look the way it did. So I don't know. There's not a name yeah. for that. I
1: guess I don't know if my, was my impression, but there was a moment in the movie that. I think when Moby Dick appeared, that I think for a second, to me, when like kind of black and white, yeah. so you could see that the 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 white of the let's say the whale is like white, white. Uh, no, I really enjoyed the movie.
2: I think John Houston did the yeah. The John Houston was the voice of Peter Coffin and as the Pequod lookout. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I think. What movie, about you, Keith? I think the Moby Dick, the movie. I mean, the thing is, I think. It, I think it does an adequate job. I think of giving you the skeleton of the novel, but I think with a book like um, Moby Dick, I think it's always going to be quite difficult to bring this to screen because there's a lot of subtext that it's really hard to show. That you kind of have to be told, and you can't. You kind of get, you can't even get that with a narrative within a book, and right. it's kind of hard to put that into a visual. aspect. I think
2: Patrick Stewart did a version of Captain. <clears throat> out of a uh, Moby Dick, And I think that Gregory Peck actually played Orson Welles part as uh, the, the pastor.
3: Mm.
2: And um, that one was, if I can remember correctly, that was a lot more in depth. That kind of. Yeah, but it's,
0: re- it's still really quite hard to read, you know, reading a film about, you know, the different characters, you know, all the men in there and what their religions are and where their different backgrounds are and how they're you all working. really. You know, we-
2: Totally, and to be honest, and that's part of, it, I, of film completely.
0: I mean, outside it, you know, and I think that with a film, I think all you can do is pretty much, you know, chase after Ahab's obsession, and this is what your film's about, you know. Right. Ahab's is, uh, obsession as he's going towards Moby Dick. But then when you look at the book, the book is actually a lot more than that, really, sort of thing. That's, that's what drives the novel forward, but it's also an understanding about the human. Condition and you know politics and government and you know and leaders and you know f- religion and following it forward and so on and so forth. But I mean, but overall, I mean, I think that the film does an adequate job, and I, yes. you know, I think it's I think it's done a better <laughs> job than some of the other classic novel um, movies. Yes,
3: but, did,
2: I thought they did a good job with it. I love Gregory Tech in this movie. I, I I like any of his performances. He was just one of those really strong actors that always finish strong no matter sort of like Charlton Heston, you know, mm-hmm. they just have a strong finish. doesn't matter whether the role might suck or the writing might suck. They just make it sound good, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what it is. And well, I, I think, thought he carried I mean, it well. I mean, break right down. I, think the he scene, well. I do he think that
0: is, I do think his age was too young for the part though.
2: Well, yeah, but they made him look kind of old. I mean, he did look, he no, still he had the like, rough skin, the beard. What, the,
0: he still look like. I mean, this is Gregory Peck pre To Kill a Mockingbird.
2: Yeah.
1: Ah, you know, uh, yeah, his articles, right?
0: Yeah.
2: In the and sun. Well, that's the
1: sun why. I, 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 that's why the face was familiar. Now that you say it, yes.
2: No, I love this movie with Jennifer Jones, Duel Under the Sun. That was like one of my favorites. That was like, or
0: even The Omen. He's fantastic the old was in great well. yeah
2: he did great in that he's just um but with, I mean, with
0: gregory pack i mean he doesn't he does have a performance I mean, he does give a great performance and there is you know and to be honest you know your eye is drawn to him you know, yeah he's, he's great at that but when you look at the age you're like captain ahab it's because he's captain Ahab supposed to be like you know so see you know see what he was know.
2: supposed to be an old salt probably in the 60s or 70s
0: well, pro- I mean, to be honest, probably wasn't the 40s sort of thing. Well, people, that's because it was people, a hard people life. People didn't live that, that long then. in those days. But at um,
2: well, the same time, there kind, of should have right? been
0: like a, a weariness to him, you know. I mean, your face would have pretty much been like screwed from years and years and decades of seawater being, you know, that sea air and the seawater pretty much like bleaches Not out. Not to mention
2: having a crippling, you know, thing like that happen. You know how much pain he probably is in. I mean, because I mean that cause they probably didn't really do a really good job of you know stitching them up back then. Well, uh, what
0: they would cauterize is they would burn your burn yeah. the stump, into, and, then see, and then once the once this, once it was burnt, that's when they would put the they would put the stump in um, into the into the boiling flesh that sat there and say, and then then you had to heal around it, and then your flesh yeah. had to grow into it.
2: That just sounds awful. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds like-
2: I mean, I probably wouldn't have been in a happy mood either. But I mean, he was kind of—he kind of struck you as a likable chap in in the movie for most of the movie.
0: Well, let's see, that's the—that's the problem. I think that, i think that's probably the problem a little bit because I think when you cast Gregory Peck, I you think don't there's something very likable. You want to
2: dislike him, Ahab?
0: Yeah, and he—and he kind of—he kind of he had to. I think you kind of dislike him. I think he needs to be, like, this kind of person that there's a, a whole – there's a mystery about – yeah, I think we, I think if you're going to film it, you need a mystery about Ahab, so that way uh, – and with that mystery, you have this foul character who's lead by his obsession, but you got to kind of be drawn to him.
3: Right. But I think
0: Gregory Pecky Peggy do like, – I think, I think you kind of like him too much. I think you end up liking yeah. him more than what you should do for a character that's – you know – I mean, to be honest, you should be emphasizing against the, you know, your empathy shouldn't be with Ahab. It should be with the crew and with the whale.
2: I feel sorry for the crew. I didn't really feel sorry (laughs) for the whale because he just kicked ass. I mean, the whale didn't need my empathy or my sympathy because he just. Well, I mean,
0: the whale is basically doing what it's supposed to do. The whale did not do anything at all. You know, the thing is, is like the whale is an, um, an innocent bystander in all this. It's a bit like if you're walking down the street and someone that you pass basically gets this obs- obsessed about doing you harm for no apparent reason. You're the innocent bystander. You haven't done anything. This person's the yeah. asshole, you know, the idiots are, are coming after you, you know, and it's kind of like that all the time sort of thing. And then it'd be like, it'd be a bit like, you know, this person that, you know, you can't, let's take it like horror film sort of thing. You know, you have the killer going after the person and the person defends themselves, gets away, ends up living. The killer gets maimed or whatever like this. The sequel comes along and then the killer decides to go after the person that they were firstly attacking. And you're like.
2: So basically, Moby Dick is the final girl or is Ishmael the final girl?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of like that. It's kind of like, you know, and to be honest, you know. you know, Captain Ahab went after him. He bit his leg off, as we said before. And then and then the guy, you know, because he retaliated to save his own life because he's being attacked. The person that, um, you know, gets his leg cut off, goes, I'm going back after him. Like, well, if
3: well did you find it
2: ironic? You got Starbuck. He just totally just, you know, wants to just get rid of him. He wants to shoot Captain Ahab. But in the end, the madness just descends upon him, too, because you see uh, Ahab beckoning from the whale because he's t- tied up in the nets and the harpoon ropes. And he goes, let's go get him. And, you know, like, that they're looking at him like, what? You want to go get him? He goes, he's just a whale. We're <laughs> whalers. Yeah. This is what we do. You know, <laughs> so let's go get the white whale. So. You know, well, even, then I guess another thing
0: is that what you, also loses have, it. I mean, what you also have with the movie and with the film is that basically you hear so much about, you know, what this thing is is like building up this expectation and is everything. And then when you finally see it, it's just like, oh, sort of thing. Does it, you know, there's what there's no below to the expectation? Can you imagine like you're at sea hearing about this? white whale that's da, 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 da. Like you know, some kind of and he, white
2: god that's gonna come out yeah
0: and you know you know what people are like you know but you know it's a bit like you know there's a tadpole in the sewer by the end of it there's an alligator in the sewer yeah. Or something. so
2: yeah i mean yeah probably reached incredible you know what's the word more emphasis than need be yeah it's kind
0: of like you know he just becomes something that it's not sort of thing, isn't it? You know, you know, Moby Dick was, you know, you know, great big white whale. By the time they got to him, you know, he, he basically floats and, you know, had magical powers by the time, you know.
2: You know, the Pequod that they portrayed that they used was actually named the Moby Dick, the ship that portrayed the Pequod. And that was built in 1887. And the ship came into the hands of the film industry in the 50s. That was an old ship. Hmm. I mean, that was practically antiquity at this point. <laughs> that ship been around for a while. They also used it in the Treasure Island movie. Oh wow.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah. And it was destroyed by a fire in England in 72. That was an old that was a shame because that was like a like a floating relic as far as I'm concerned.
0: I mean, I guess that's another thing you have to remember as far as like shipping in those days. Like you have a harpoon person who's working with ironwork. Yeah, dealing with hot metals on a wooden ship.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. and that doesn't include like gunpowder and everything that was on the ship at the same time. Sort of thing.
2: But it has been but I mean, held as the rolling, thundering film. Great motion pictures of all times. They always say that though. Every old film I like is the best film of all time, you know. <laughs> the cast of thousands. The Cecil B. DeMille stuff, you know.
0: I mean, I think Moby Dick is a good film. Um, I think it I think it, you know, it it it's like a you know, it's like an over overscape of the book, you know. Right. So I think it gives you some of the points sort of thing. Um I, I said before, I do think that Moby Dick, the book is I'll, there's a lot more nuances that I don't. I think that'd be quite incredible or right. impossible to film and put all that into it.
2: Well, I don't think any film. There's just no way you can put every nuance of the book into a film. Mm-hmm. And that's it where you're to be lucky like to have the artistic <laughs> license. Yeah, I mean, there's just no way. It's sort of like you know when they try to do the Bible movies. You can't put all of Genesis into one movie. You just mm-hmm.
0: can't. Well, Genesis has like. Isn't Moses and no? It Moses goes all the way broke from Moses.
2: Genesis, supposedly.
0: So. Yeah. So basically, it's got everything before Moses, isn't it? So yeah. it's like so everything is like you know Noah, Cain and Abel, Garden of Eden, yeah. all that in Genesis. Yeah, Job,
2: Samuel. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's almost like you know a collection of short stories, or sort of thing, all shoved into one little book.
2: Well, this kind of yeah. You know, well, this book had a lot of lot of chapters. Let's face it. I wonder why he did it that way. You know, the thing is,
0: I think you have to remember at this time period is that basically, I think that the reason why with classic novels, and, you know, we might as well do this now and to review back on our classic novel side of things, because this is our last classic novels. I think that, I think what I did learn is that you have to remember that people are not like us back then. And I'm not talking about you know, like us or that that you don't you didn't you didn't couldn't travel you don't you didn't spend time traveling you didn't have the television you didn't have films you didn't have anything no so internet no Google all you had if you wanted to know about anything is you had, you read and when you read something you needed this description because you had no you know you had nothing to refer back to you know you can't go to the library and look at pictures of this stuff these places right. and so you go you had to use your mind. To, you know to see these places, and the only way to use your mind by seeing these places is the authors have to right. it's a good description very good, good
1: description
2: yeah, that makes perfect sense
0: you know yeah. the thing is if you're like you know if you're in the middle of you know let's sit there and say you know one is you know a small town in Argentina we will say let's sit there and say one very small town in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. And you're picking up Moby Dick, and you know nothing about whaling because yeah, you're nowhere true. near the ocean. You yeah. know nothing about sea because you're nowhere near the ocean. All you know is about your little town. You might know about cattle ranching. But you're not going to know about this whole other world around you. So yeah. you need these descriptive details to be able to learn that. And to yeah, learn well, about the towns it, and people. Yeah. And
1: it's a really good point what you're saying. because Me, because I'm just interested, right? When I read that name, I went to see in, in, in Google Maps to see how it was, and he was descri- describing it like with a lot of sand they uh, was saying that um they have to, they were if you will go let's say he was saying today you will see there are a lot of trees and all that, but they were not um, native from that island. I can't remember the name of the island the island um before they departure and then uh, when I went to google you see that the island is all sand it's like a huge um sun everywhere. It's
2: like a big sandbar.
1: Yes. So I don't know. It's, it's, then you realize that when, when you see the picture you know that the description was really good because I, more or less I, I imagine it like that.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought they did think, an excellent job with it.
0: Yeah, you know, and I think it's probably the reason why novels today are probably not as descriptive because you don't need to be because the thing is like You know, your world, our world is so far, so far open, you know, I mean, you know, any of us can sit here and basically think of, okay, what is a small town in Russia like? And we have some point of reference where we have an idea now, because, you know, the thing is, whether we've seen it in a movie or we've seen a documentary about it or something like that. And, and though you might, you know, you might not know the ins and outs, we have more of an idea than you would back then sort of thing, because all you knew is basically your town and that's it. You know, you'd be, you'd be even lucky if you knew about you know the town two hours away from you, about how they were so, living. Yeah. really So, um, what I think we're going to do is we're going to do a retrospective of our classic novels because it's the last one, and give it. You know, wh- what was your experience with the classic novels? And we we'll start with you, Leandro. What do you think of this season of our classic novels? Uh,
1: well, Disable, this, as you know, is my first uh, season, and I really enjoy it. Um, there were a few classic books that I wanted to read, and, and we, we covered them. Um, one of was uh, this one. Um, yeah, there's some that were, like, meh, not, like, great, great, but the majority, all of them, I really enjoyed them. Mm-hmm.
2: Trying to think of the one that annoyed me the most. I liked the majority of them all because they were basically like rereads from high school. And there I think there was what was one I we we just took the piss out of it. Which one was it? None of us really enjoyed it. I can't remember the name of it now.
0: For me, it was Treasure Island. I really didn't like Treasure
2: Island. Treasure Island, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't hate it. I was quite
0: shocked because I thought I was actually gonna like that one. I was a bit Well, Treasure is
2: Island, they about. say it's a boys' book. Every little boy needs to read it. Well, that's I'm, when I was and told I'm, and, I'm
0: too, and I'm too gay for it because I didn't like it at all <laughs> You're
2: <so. too> gay. <laughs> I never heard anybody say they're too gay for Treasure Island but okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> just, it, it just it, it didn't capture me uh, I didn't like the film version of it anyway but I mean as far as the novel goes it's like I found it. I mean, I think I think that's one of the shortest books we had to read as well, and I found it yeah. really hard going. It, was it like, wasn't that yeah. bad.
2: It's just that we're. I, I like Pirates of the Caribbean better. And once you've been spoiled yeah. to the Pirates of the Caribbean, you just can't then, come back. You just can't. Yeah. It's and I have something to
0: say that I was what I was pleasantly surprised, which I liked a lot, was the Count of Monte Cristo. I mean, that was a slog to get through. Oh God! Overall, I love I love the whole. It's like. It's like these it cliffhanger was movies movie. all put together. Like every, every every chapter ended with like this cliffhanger. And it's like, <gasps> da, it buckling. Yeah. <laughs> and, and basically, you know, and then, and then you get, you know, and then he just goes off into the sunset and God knows where he goes to. And it's,
2: yeah. It's kind of a... One good you know, thing about a, lot of, these, not, a but, lot of these books, I had no idea that they were serials. You know, like it was a story people follow on the weekly paper. I didn't know that before we started doing that. And I thought that that was really, you know, there was always something to learn, whether it was about the time. Like, you know, if the books really the times were interesting. And a lot of these books kind of hung out in the same era, the same time frame. So I mean, yes. it, it was kind of cool that way. I kind of like that because it gave you a glimpse into a different world completely. And it is. And you don't really appreciate that till you're older. I think, you know, some kids really get it. I didn't. You know, I just I, I thought I was being tortured in Catholic school. But um, I love them now in retrospect because I don't have to
3: read
1: them. One, uh, one that I enjoyed the most was Go to the Wild. Was a bit sad, but I really enjoyed the book, the movie, uh, so so. Um, but the 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 book was I really like I really like it. Um, what about you? Too? Which book? Uh, I really enjoyed uh, "Call to the Wild."
2: Call the Wild. That's definitely oh, one of my favorites. Call
0: the Wild. I love. Yeah, that
1: and that's
2: one definitely of one of my favorites, and it's so sad, and it's just like you know, I mean. Uh, I just hated how it ended though i don't I mean even in the the movie, they couldn't even make me happy and give it a happy ending but,
1: but the movie I mean, I enjoyed it, but I think the movie was more to me in the end more based on the actor and 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 yeah the thing that the dog was there was doing yeah, the part, but I think the book is more based like totally. and even the story is telling his own from his own eyes.
2: I just love um, Jack London's book, and they were really raw too. I mean, I think we've explored that, that they were raw books and that they've just explained just basically how hard life was back then, especially in Alaska. I mean, during the gold rush time, I mean, he wrote a lot of good books. Jack London did. I loved a lot. I love all of his stuff. I thought he did a lot of good books.
1: Um, What was the the name of that book? That was like there were like two words. One that was like underneath. I can't remember the name now. Oh, wait, I'm trying to. Then the movies were like it was like a machine, and they were like a monsters.
2: Oh no! It's going to drive me nuts. What is that, Keith?
0: Uh isn't that H. Um, G. Wells' is the time machine?
2: The time machine, yes. yeah. yeah the Oh, That one was cool. Yeah, that, one, that one was I thought. Crazy. I mean, okay. I don't know. I thought that I don't know. The movie was kind of weird. I mean, yeah, the, the movie, movie, the movie was. did not make any effing sense whatsoever. But I liked the book. Yeah, but I mean, I felt sorry for the troglodytes. But I mean, at least H.G. H. D. Wells. That somebody was saying that <clears throat> somebody was like, I don't know what kind of they they belong to some kind of whatever forum on Facebook or whatever. But they think H. D. Wells really did b- build a time machine and is traveling around the, you know yeah. as we speak. Mm-hmm.
0: It I sit there and say that um that was one that had a lot of build up for me and I didn't mind it but I found myself actually liking like like the film that we covered that had nothing to do with it called Time After Time. Had I well love that after...
2: movie. I... I really love Did that I movie. Did we cover that one instead of doing? No, wait, we didn't.
0: No, no, we did, we did. a, that was from a previous season.
2: Yeah. Right? Oh my God, yeah, Time After Time control. is an excellent movie with Malcolm McDowell and Oh my God, what's his name? I Mary always,
0: Mary Steenburgen. And, and
2: the, yeah, but who played Jack the Ripper? He's always in a lot of films, and I forget his name. He's in the Omen
0: as well. That guy. Yeah, yeah they cut off in the Omen. But as you know, so I thought you know. And I thought it was quite interesting because we had special guests on our show for that who are really right. you know, great big science fiction buffs. And of course they were like right. into it. And the rest of us are like, uh, sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I was quite surprised, movie. like, um, you know, like reading, you know, actually reading it and you have these ideas of what things are with classic novels and you actually read them and you kind of, your impressions become totally different. And I don't know if that's like looking at things through our eyes or, or different kind of eyes, but I always kind of, Thought of Alice and Alice in Wonderland or something, and I didn't know that she was mentally challenged. So I mean,
2: well, she, was she mentally challenged? Or she you came across
0: as the... mentally challenged to me. I just thought like oh, there's, there's something about <laughs> something mentally wrong with this person. Are you, you
2: talking that. about the cartoon or the book?
0: The book, <laughs> <sort of> thing. <laughs> well, they're, they're like, both
2: weird. They're, I mean, that was such a strange novel. I mean, come yeah. on, it was weird <laughs> to begin with.
0: And I loved um, *The Hunchback of Notre Dame*. I thought that was brilliant. really like that.
2: I like that because I don't remember reading it years ago and I forgot that Esmeralda actually dies it instead of being carried off by the handsome officer that Maureen O'Hara gets camped, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. She she has a happy ending, but she doesn't in the book. And And that, that was kind of like, oh man, I didn't know that. I don't remember that.
0: And I was quite surprised by Little Women about how much of a feminist book it is.
2: Yeah, for the yeah. time, you can't mm-hmm. really blame them for writing that at the time because the people, women were property pretty much back in those days. They were, they, they were in a caste system. They had to marry to get up,
0: and they weren't even, um they couldn't even vote. And they had these, you know, these characters of strong women who, overall, I mean, even though they did get married or whatever, but overall, they did accomplish their goals.
2: Yeah, you know, I, got- I thought the book was kind of a letdown for Joe, though, in the end. the book because she kind of becomes a regular housewife anyway
0: but she but she becomes a writer and a teacher
2: (coughs) in her own right yeah but Uh, you
0: know i mean you know so she so yeah i mean you know she settled but she still got what she wanted and to be honest you know that joe ran that marriage wasn't the man who was running that marriage she was
2: well one can only hope I did think, though, that uh, Catherine Hepburn was all over the top for the part in the movie. She yeah. Yeah. was exhausting.
0: Yeah. It became the Catherine Hepburn show sort of thing. It did. Uh, sort of thing. But, you know, I think overall, I mean, I think I think we did. I, I was quite happy with our classic novels. Thing, I
2: was. I thought we did a good job, but I had fun and I learned a lot of new stuff that I didn't know.
0: I yeah. spent a lot, a lot more time reading than I had to.
1: I sit there and say that this is a bit
2: a little more challenging of a program we picked.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it because, I mean, as I said, there were a lot of these books that were like in my kind of list of books that I wanted to read. And and I would like to say the opportunity to thank you, Keith, because you invited me uh, to the group. And before starting reading, I was not in a really good place of mind, And this was really cool because – help me to, you know, get out of my, let's say, day-by-day problems and go to the, – well, they say that, you know, books are like doors to another yeah. reality, let's say. It's a way to travel. And, yeah, I wanted to say things.
2: Well, we uh, enjoy uh, having you around, so you're going to keep coming yeah. around. So Yeah, not, yeah. You're not well, leaving us yet. The,
1: no, no, no. The, the next season for me is, like, um, I don't have – a any clue of any of the books so it was be uh, really you don't like them
2: though they're 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 far more nitty-gritty and nasty <laughs> and scary. yeah well
1: i, I have a <laughs> I, I know someone here that he reads a lot of books so i was reading the names and he was oh yeah you will enjoy that that one is really like <laughs> like dark or something like that but um i really enjoy it because you know when when you don't have a, an idea at all about the the book is is the the approach to the book changed completely you know when you know more or less the story is like well you know what's going to happen and then you I think you become more you start to judge maybe the book and you say oh yeah it was not so great or yes but when you don't have a, a clue about what it is it's like yeah it's fresh yeah I like it yeah
2: it's always cool especially when you get a different take from somebody else you know, it's always I mean, like like when we're doing other stuff, I always tell Joe Rendonzo all the time, I learned something new every time we're we're run we're doing a show with him because he knows so much about cinema, him and Keith together.
1: Yes, yes. You
2: know, they know so much about movies and stuff. It's like, wow, I didn't know that. That's I mean, I mean I always learn something new, which is really cool. That's why I like doing this. Because it's because you do learn something new or you meet new people doing it, and it's a lot of fun. I think that's it when you are in a dark place. It always puts you in a good mood to come on here, you know. Well, Keith hasn't insulted me yet this time, but that's probably coming. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, it does put you in a good place when your mind goes somewhere else and you, you know, talk about cool stuff with other people. So yeah. it's always a plus. It's always a plus for me. It
1: is.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of Moby Dick and our classic novels, um, season after season four. Next month, we start season five, where we do Kings of Horror. We'll be dealing with the top horror writers of the last 40 years. And this will also include Stephen King, Ca- um, Clyde Barker, Peter Strub, and we'll also be doing some Japanese work by the author of Battle Royale and Ringu. Um, and Leandro will be joining us as a regular co-host and- and Vicky will be here, starting our new seasons of Kings of Horror. So we'd like to thank everyone for listening to our classic novels episodes of season four. And next week we'll be covering Bewitched. The week after that, finish off our Nature versus Man. We'll be doing Godzilla from 1956 and Godzilla from 2017, and we'll of course be going through our Dark Shadows. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Vicky. Bye.
2: I just can't believe a year has gone by again. Yeah, good night, everybody. I'm just totally just can't believe a whole year has flipped and gone by again.
0: <laughs> yeah, good night, everyone. And good night, Leandro, and good night for myself. And we'll see you next week for Bewitch, and next month for Kings of Horror, starting with The Dead Zone by Stephen King, and The Dead Zone, the David Cronenberg film. Good night. So-
3: Seven days, I don't know. Got the shoes, got Something going wrong. We got red skies at dawn. Can't find the captain, and the lifeboat's gone. We're going down with the ship. We're going down, 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 down with the ship. the seas, then we run out of pitch, now we pray to the Lord, how we stay afloat, will a tree meet a hole in the bottom of the boat? We're going down with the ship, we're going down, 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 down with the ship.